this reminds me of my first experience in radio was back in the early 80s. People with disability and mental health. There's always controversy with us. The mysteries of the mind and consciousness. And we might get to the bottom of something or we might start something new. We're going to run the gamut and we're going to have a good time. Waking Braves. No, not Waking Braves. We're Breaking Waves. Breaking Waves? Breaking Waves. Breaking Waves. All right, folks, you're listening to Breaking Waves. I'm Riley. And I'm John. And we are bringing you our third and final episode in the medicine series. Last week, we talked about the treatments that are commonly available when you go to a doctor or a hospital. And this week, we're going to talk about some of the things that come up when you are doing something different, so we hope you enjoy. Oh Lord, I popped a lot of pills. Yes, so welcome back folks, hope you're enjoying the, the sunny weather and the blue skies. How you doing, Riley? I'm good. Thank you, John, except I've got a bit of uh, irritation. I've got a bit of an itch going on with, uh, with my nose. Maybe it's the encroaching spring bringing a bit of uh, pollen. I know it's been very windy out there, uh, but I just keep uh, scratching my nose. like it's... There's stuff in the air. Yeah. So you, uh, did the doctor give you any meds for that? No, I haven't been to get anything done about it because... It's just kind of pretty minor irritation, you know, it's kind of, it's... Yeah, well, there's lots of uh, chemist medications for uh, this seasonal uh, hay fever kind of thing. Yeah, Zyrtec. I've never had uh, much success with those kinds of uh, things, pseudoephedrine, and uh, they they kind of make you feel all wide and weird. um, Wired, do they? Wide, yeah, pseudoephedrine is a stimulant. Oh, I might have to try it then, <laughs> now that I know that. Uh, no, but it's not, it's not nice. It's a bit unpleasant. And, um, yeah, I've, I've had the same thing my whole life, actually, and I found that actually giving up uh, eating wheat actually helped me. I'm on the wheat-free diet, mm-hmm. and I'm uh, much less clogged up. But I've got to say, over the last um, six months, um, I've had a bit of a reoccurrence of the same sort of thing. Um, what do you find is helpful for itchy nose? Um, I don't tend to give it any treatment at all. Just do nothing. The Taoist approach. Well, that's so. another. Um, that's another ha- uh, way to handle disease is to actually let the body uh, fix itself. Because you know it is a miraculous uh, manifestation <laughs> uh, machine or device that um, is self-repairing. Uh, most of the time, I often think um, that a lot of the the uh, the conditions I've had, the the sprains and the aches and the the pains and the um, you know you go to the doctor and get potions, but it's often difficult to work out whether you just got better on your own or whether any of the medications actually helped. Uh, certainly makes you feel better, as we we spoke about yes. last week when you go and get a pill or a potion. Um, power of the mind thing definitely that's right works yeah and by that logic then you could just uh pray or 
you know, um, the power of positive thinking kind of a thing. Yeah. You could uh, pray, meditate, uh, go for a walk, actually go and stay somewhere else. Now, there's something that um, people tend to do when they've got a bit of a condition. And actually, used to be a lot of places you could go. Uh, health spas and um, places like the Hydro Majestic up the Blue Mountains mm. where you could get some light therapy or some <laughs> electrotherapy. Yeah, I was inspired to think of that idea recently about the locational idea of treatment because there's this uh, meme that's been shared on Instagram by a couple of women that I saw where it says something to the effect of, I feel like the heroine of a Victorian novel because I genuinely think that going to some kind of reconnaissance by the seaside will fix me. And um, this idea of like, yeah, you know, go somewhere where the air is different. I like the idea. In fact, I can I can think back at some times when I've been quite miserable <laughs> uh, with something going on and wishing I could go to a place like that, you know. I just want to go to one of these uh, health spas in Thailand and, you know, get massaged. <laughs> Would you ever let the little fish eat your feet? Have you ever I'm, done that? No, I've never seen that one. Is that a therapy? <laughs> um, it's meant to be, I don't know, it's meant to like get rid of the sort of the dead or calloused skin. Um, but I've done it when I was in Bali, but these little fish like eat the skin off your feet. Hmm. Kind of like those little uh, fish, the pilot fish that swim around on sharks. <laughs> but yeah, uh, what about um, those hot springs that people go to and sort of bathe mm. in? Yeah, yeah, that's it's something that I've never personally done, but it's definitely an appealing idea. Um, hydrotherapy. When one of my aunties was born in the 1940s, she was living in London, the family lived in London, and the doctor actually said to my grandparents, because she had some issues with asthma, they said, move somewhere with better air, you know, get her out of London. So they moved to um, to Devonshire, to Tynmouth, which is like this coastal town. And there is definitely something to be said, because I've been there a couple of times, there's definitely something to be said for that Devon air. Like it is, it feels quite rejuvenating. And then the mountains is like, the Blue Mountains here is a different kind of thing because it's, uh, because of the altitude it kind of creates. Yeah, you're kind of way up there. It is different air up there. Mm. Yes, I've told. I'm told that jogging produces a different kind of effect due to the the difference in altitude to uh, to Sydney. Jogging can uh, can impact your mind in a different kind of a hits different as the as the young folks say. Well, actually, so, uh, gravity is a little bit less the higher up a mountain mm. you go as well. So that must have some kind of effect. I, I don't know if I've ever been up a really big. Mountain, I think the highest I've been is probably, you know, well, Australia's pretty flat, uh, maybe uh, 500 metres or something above sea level. But, of course, um, there are um, altitude effects, altitude sickness that people get, which is attributed to the lower amount of oxygen in the air. But um, there's probably some other effects there of getting higher up in the sky as far as your <laughs> physiology <laughs> and your... 
I can't get enough of going up the mountain. It gives me a wicked headache the next day, but it's well worth it for the... It spins me out, man. I climb up to the top of the mountain and then I hit my vape and I start to commune with the angels. So we mentioned places to retreat to to get well. Well, we've got a clip from a film in which things are in that setting, but a bit creepy. Do you know what the cure for the human condition is? Disease. Because only then is there hope for a cure. Creepy, but kind of true. That's right. Um, That was from the movie A Cure for Wellness, and that was the voice of Jason Isaacs. Definitely worth checking out if you can stomach something creepy, but... uh, And it's set in like a Swiss Alps in one of those old, you know, like those type of wellness centers, which is a fascinating, and it is kind of an old world type of thing. Yeah, Um, it's like in in an old sort of castle. Yeah. Visually. uh, It was visually really good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the movie kind of deals with that idea of, you know, Create create the disease and then you know supply the cure that kind of age old idea. But um, I might be wrong about this, but I think that locational idea is perhaps less um, prescribed or less on people's minds than it used to be. Um, certainly, if just from what I've been thinking, it's like more associated with like older time periods, but then you do still have people with these fantasies of, like, uh, wanting to retire to Florida, for example, you know, because of yeah, the, the climate. Yeah, or the Gold Coast. And uh, people yeah. do for health reasons, you know, yeah. that uh, it's too cold, you know. It's actually your arthritis hurts more when it's cold. And Actually, I kind of find that, um, you know, if I'm unhappy, my aches and pains tend to seem a lot worse. And this happens to me on a weekly <laughs> sort of cycle. I'll have days where I'm, uh, there's a dark cloud hanging over me and I notice that my um, various aches and pains seem to be um, worse, <laughs> more annoying. Well, this speaks to the idea of the emotions and the mental state being tied in with physical health and I think that's very true and the same applies to you know the your outlook on on things as well because or like one's outlook I was just thinking about this recently how there's that idea of where anxiety can create delusions where you know just speaking from my own point of view like I'll start to see things that aren't there you know, in the sense of, because um, you're look. If I'm looking for a problem, then I'll start to see the problem show up. Have a thing. So yeah, well, I guess things can become problems that aren't problems when yeah, you're unhappy. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And that, and I was thinking about this the other day because I was thinking, damn, there was a particular day recently where I was thinking it's like Murphy's law. You know, things are just going wrong. But then I actually, when I got into a better mood, I reflected on it and I was like, actually. It wasn't that bad at all. It was just like the mood that I was in at that point that made Absolutely. it seem. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sometimes being awake is, seems like it's the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On those kind of days. But, you know, then you push yourself and you actually do something, like go for a walk in the sun, walk the mm. dog, you know, 
go and speak to a neighbour. Go and do something, anything, wash the dishes. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to be said for those. Oh, you mentioned the household tasks. Um, there's a lot to be said for those repetitious, um, basic kind of cleaning or maintenance kind of tasks. I've seen, you know, articles online saying that it, you know, releases serotonin or whatever to, to engage in these kind of things. And Yeah, I've been to a few um, retreats and rehab type situations where that was part of the therapy, like uh, a walking meditation. Where you actually walk around while you're doing it, or even going for a bushwalk. I went for a bushwalk the other day, and it was um, it was fantastic. Yeah. It made me feel great. Not only was I around, um, you know, all these plants pumping out oxygen. Yes. Uh, but um, afterwards, I, I felt quite good, quite elated. You know, I lifted my spirits. Yeah. No, I've had that happen before with with bushwalks, and also with um, gardening as well. Um, because my grandfather used to enlist me to uh, help out in the garden and I would find that um, doing that in bare feet as well, in bare feet and no gloves is important and I would find that that experience would clear my head and really refresh me, get rid of the cobwebs, you know, like you've had a, a shot of coffee or something. So... These are amazing things that are available to us and they're free. Yeah, maybe so. it's uh, sticking your hands in the earth was grounding you. Maybe that was part of the effect. Have you heard of, um, that's been quite a popular idea of late, is the idea that you need to actually uh, get away from this insulation that our bodies have from the actual earth to ground yourself in electrical sense. With the earth, you know, go out and walk around in the grass yeah. in your bare feet, yeah. you know, go and lie on the grass and look at the sky. Maybe that's why kids have such like boundless energy, oh, not, obviously not the main reason, but a part of it as well is like if you, a kid is lucky enough to grow up somewhere where they can run around a bit in nature, then they're going to be... Um... <laughs> Maybe that's where it went wrong for me. I actually... Uh, you know, the first 15 years of my life were in a rural setting. I, I was born in the dead centre of Queensland and moved a lot around to little towns. And, you know, in my teen years I lived um, on an army base, but I was out in the bush and I spent my days running through fields of waist-high golden grass and, um, you know, playing in creeks. And maybe that's where my problems started when I moved to the mm. city and started living the city life. Yeah, the city life is um, can create all kinds of health problems. It's become a popular uh, analogy or um, a thing to refer to is that the experiments with rats and what happens with the rats when they uh, are made to live in a more kind of enclosed and uh, high-density kind of um, way... And uh, it doesn't go well. It seems to be the modern way people live, though. And there's lots of good things about, you know, if we've talked about before, so many times before, uh, community and fellowship is really part of uh, the human condition. But uh, these massive cities that we live in now and this, uh, this high-density living, it's actually a bit of a new thing to us over here in Australia. They have long traditions of... Um, 
living in very crowded conditions in Europe and the rest of the world. But uh, we've been pretty lucky. We've, you know, literally had the the house on the block of land with the fence out the front. Simply the vibe of an environment can impact your mind and your mood and then thusly that emotion will impact your health. So, for example, in my career I've worked in different kinds of schools and one of the things that I've found is that I will have a be-, be in a better mood and feel more comfortable if I'm working in a school that has a nice aesthetic to the buildings and the way the actual structure of it, the way that it is laid out. And I think with a lot of the modern architecture, the brutalist architecture, or if you look at the suburb of Walleye Creek as like a model, the way that Walleye Creek looks, looks it, all the buildings look like these ugly spaceships. And in the area where I grew up, um, and in fact all over Sydney, and probably all over Australia, I don't know, but it seems like these say this Walleye Creek model is being applied to everywhere where it's this like soulless, homogenous kind of look to these big high rises that are well, going up everywhere. Well, we certainly build very ugly uh, buildings yeah. in uh, the 21st century yes. <laughs> and sort of half of the last century. Uh, but, you know, um, there are other cultures that hold... Um, a lot of importance to these ideas of how you construct your environment. What yes. do they call the Chinese? Feng Shui. Feng Shui, yeah. yeah. They have like experts that come in and tell you how yeah. to arrange your furniture yeah. and stuff. If if you have a city where, you know, beautiful old buildings are torn down and replaced with uh, aesthetically displeasing buildings, well, that, to my way of thinking, that is a form of um, spiritual warfare and it, it demoralizes people. It makes people depressed. Uh, if you don't have, have something nice to look at, yeah. Then... Well, you've only got to look at those old, all those old stand, uh, sandstone buildings around the city. I mean, they're actually they're covered with ornamental, um, beautiful uh, expressions of mm. architecture, which just don't exist now. I don't. They don't do it. They. Uh, for whatever reason, mm. uh, we've completely lost this aesthetic. These aesthetic uh, principles. Yeah. Yeah. And you see in um, a lot of the modern houses, like there's, um, I mean, some people like it. I know some people do like it, but I find that there's, I would describe it as an arid soullessness to the way that these buildings look inside and out. And they're just not the kind of places that, you could imagine, you know, cu- cuddling up on the couch with your dog and watching a movie, having tea with grandma, and because th- there's a certain uh, aesthetic pleasantness that goes along with those ideas. For me, you know, having grown up in uh, suburbia in houses that uh, most of the houses in the areas where I grew up were built in the 70s, and they looked very modern back then, but they but there was something homey about them, uh, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, well, uh, I think a fireplace helps. Yeah, yeah. Now we're talking like the... Maybe some uh, pressed tin roofing, some nice plaster work. Yeah. yeah spray a few gargoyles around. No, maybe not gargoyles. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't oh. mind the gargoyles, but some of them are a bit creepy. But then with the fireplaces, like that's kind of more the... 
the houses from like the early earlier, right? The yeah, earlier. well, if mm. you got a fireplace, you don't need a television, really. You know, when I lived up in uh, inland from Byron in Coorabil, I had a fire and I just used to sit there every night and look at the fire. <laughs> it was as good as a television. I think there's real medicine to be found in smoke. For me personally, I feel quite delighted and inspired when I smell the smell of wood smoke. Yeah, I think that's what's behind a lot of these smoking ceremonies. I mean, smoke was part of day-to-day life for most of our existence, I think. If you wanted to cook something or warm yourself or dry something off or get some light, you had to create a fire which made smoke. And, of course, in Australia, uh, we got wattle trees everywhere. So it's not uh, surprising that Indigenous people there have uh, quite a connection to burning... um, Wattles. That's something that I personally think is important when it comes to where I would live because there are certain regions of Sydney and certain suburbs in which having a fire in the backyard or, you know, wood fire pizza or whatever, these kind of things are discouraged. And so I wouldn't want to live in an area that where people are down on that because there are those places where they complain to the... Absolutely. And, of course, yeah. if you look at the historical narrative of um, the last couple of hundred years, one of the things that used to make people very sick and kill people was they had fireplaces in these uh, in these structures that didn't have a lot of windows. Yeah. They used to die of respiratory yeah. problems and uh, all those associated health, uh, carbon monoxide poisoning and... Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. It's a balance. It's, once again, you know, the, uh, the medicine be- can become the poison. Yes, um, that's right. Speaking of wood-fire pizzas, an aspect of health that is often under-addressed by the medical establishment is that of diet. Yeah, or even completely overlooked. Yes. <laughs> you are what you eat. You know, it's just amazing that uh, type 2 diabetes, which is a um, diet-related condition... When people go to the doctors, they get prescribed insulin <laughs> instead mm. of being sent to a um, a food farm yeah. to help them uh, learn how to uh, eat in a healthy fashion. And, you know, the other thing is that um, we're eating a lot of toxic. Yes. Uh, toxic stuff. The Industrial Revolution, which we talked about, uh, this is one of the course affected in it, everything and that affects the, the food that's available and the stuff that we eat. Well, there's that old proverb, heal the gut and heal the man, you know, man or woman. But And I, I've certainly heard of um, cases of people doing these miraculous changes within their health purely based off uh, – massive dietary adjustments. And I certainly know from like personal experience that there'll be certain foods that'll spin me out and just make me want to collapse. And so I'm actually thinking about going on like a super restrictive diet, like just eating fish and a bit of rice and, you know, fruit and veggies. Because there's so much stuff that we, um, we really shouldn't be eating. Yeah, that kind of happened to me. With this allergy thing, when I uh, found out that it could be possibly have something to do with eating wheat, and in the process of giving up wheat, little did I know then how radically it would change 
my uh, my day to day diet because just about everything in this country is got. Uh, Wheat in it or gluten in it. We're uh, a wheat-based economy. Yeah, we shouldn't fact, be. It doesn't even grow well here. Yeah, in uh, other countries that uh, tend to rely on rice, uh, most of their um, products use rice to create glucose. Yeah. Um, now, glucose is put into so you know Everything so well, many different yeah. things, and if it comes from uh, wheat, which it does in this country. You know, you have these, uh, this gluten intolerance thing kicks in. But, you know, in the process of get, trying to give up uh, monocropped wheat, what's happened is that I, I generally don't buy anything that's in a packet or a can or from a restaurant. I basically have been eating fresh fruit and vegetables that I cook myself for the last 10 years. It's had a, quite an amazing effect, I think, on my general health. And with the wheat thing, the wisdom around that is this idea of what you're really trying to avoid is the pesticides, the poison, the glyphosate that's, that's put on the, the crops. Other aspect of our yeah. uh, industrialized yes. uh, farming is that we're at a stage now where plants won't grow underground because we've destroyed the fertility of the ground yeah. with pesticides. So these plants now need. Uh, nitrates put into the soil, um, and it's become this cycle of yes. um, pesticides and fertilizers. And very interestingly, yeah. the same company that make pesticides and fertilizers are the guys that make uh, bombs for wars. So it's all win-win to those guys. Uh, nitrates are very important for uh, bombs and for living things. Because these... Poisons that they put on the crops also kills things that are growing in you, you know, in your in your yeah, stomach. The biome. Yeah, the biome. And getting back to what you were saying before about the stomach, you know, in, in recent years um, we've come to understand that uh, the stomach is very important for well-being and even mental health. And, in fact, a lot of these uh, brain uh, chemicals that you hear talked about, like serotonin, are actually produced by bacteria in your stomach. There's all kinds of conversions that go on, and without the right uh, flora and fauna uh, ecosystem inside your stomach, you're going to get sick and die, basically. So the deficiencies that we have are not just about vitamins and minerals, but they're also about... Uh, being exposed to the life around us and the actual beneficial effects. So we're at that time again, folks. The time to say goodbye and perhaps stay away from the pusher man. Or engage with him at your own risk. <laughs> Indeed. Enjoy the blue skies, uh, the approaching warm weather, and we'll we're gonna have a bit of a break. Yes, but we'll be back soon. That's right, folks. Enjoy your lives. Adios.
Listening to People Powered Radio, proudly supported by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The Community Broadcasting Foundation resources community owned and operated media stations just like this one that connect people and tell vital local stories so that we all enjoy a more vibrant, inclusive Australian culture and healthy democracy. Find out more about our work at cbf.com.au.